Welcome to another episode of Something to Talk About, a podcast where different women come together to talk about the Word of God and the various ways it applies to our lives. This summer, we are talking about the book Identity Theft and what it means to reclaim the truth of who we are in Christ. Join in Aaron and me today to talk about chapters 5 and 6 and what it means to be fruitful members of the church are Tracy Lutz and Amy White. Now, Tracy is the middle school principal at Westminster Schools of Augusta, where all three of my boys have attended. And I always say about Tracy to whoever asks me that she is one of the most gracious, wise, kind, not just people, but principals I know. I told her today she was coming in the room that I've never heard someone say something negative about her. And if you're a middle school principal, <laughs> that means a lot. She knows my boys. She loves them. Uh, she graciously shepherds them. So I have really appreciated her in that role. Sweet. Yeah. And then Amy is a teacher at Westminster as well. And all three of my boys. Actually, did you have Creed, Amy? I didn't get to you have Creed. You didn't have Creed. All right. So you had my younger two. And for them to come home and say that you are one of their favorite teachers teaching math, they both just loved you because they knew that you loved them. So both of you ladies have my high respect, and I know a lot of people people's high respect as well. So why don't you both introduce yourselves and tell people a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Okay, I'll go first. Um, I am Tracy Lutz, as Amber said, and um, I love working in the middle school at Westminster. I love that um, age, and it is just never a dull moment um, at work. And I have three children of my own. I have one who is going to be a senior in college, one who's going to be a um, sophomore, and one who's going to be a freshman. My husband is Ryan, and I remember when we had kids, Ryan and I looked at each other and said, one of these days, they're going to all be in college at the same time, and that terrified us, and now we're there. <laughs> so, Is it as terrifying uh, as you thought it was going to be? It, we're, we're making it. <laughs> we're making it. So, But they, they are great. Um, my husband's also a teacher. He teaches at Augusta Tech and um, writes for Augusta Magazine. And um, yeah, just hobbies. I love spending time with my family and hiking and reading, playing games, all, all sorts of things. So That's fun. You'll have great family time together. <laughs> What about you, Amy? Uh, Amy White, and I'm married to Chris, and we have three children as well, two girls and a boy. So I've got a high schooler, a middle schooler, and someone in elementary school. And then um, we'll just kind of stay that way, uh, always one in a different division. Mm. And They'll uh, never be in the same Well, tier. Annie and Georgia, freshman, senior, and then Abraham and Annie will okay. be freshman, senior. Mm. And we've lived in Augusta most of our marriage. Um, we started out in Minneapolis. Um, that was an adventure, and I'm thankful <laughs> for it. And also thankful to be back. A bit. Yes. Cold. That's what I think of yes. Minneapolis. Cold. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's do our first things first question, which we always start our episodes out with. And the first things first question for today is, what is the first thing you think of packing when you go on vacation? Are you talking to... Single Amy Adams, married Amy White, <laughs> older children. Whoever, whoever you want to be I mean, right in this, this was a hard question Amy. because uh-huh. I, you know, bathing suit when you're single. Yeah, I, okay, because you're going. Well, I only ever had one vacation mm-hmm. growing up. It was the beach. And then you get married and other things come with that and then children and all of the things that go with babies. And then now in general, it's what? can I bring that will help us have a good time together? Bikes, games, those are kind of the first things I think about. Yes, That's awesome. What about you, Tracy? Um, 
books for me. Like I love having time on vacation to read books. And so um, with each trip, like I'm already thinking about my next trip and what books I'm going to bring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and I'm over, over ambitious on it. Usually I've, uh, we'll just bring a whole stack. So do you have one right now? I, <laughs> so my one right now I'm reading <laughs> Walker Hayes and <laughs> about his, his story and, um, and just how someone loved him from another church. And do you know Walker Hayes? No, I do because country I've been learning singer. the fancy like dance. Yeah, there you go, oh, that there Walker you go. Hayes, exactly a country music singer. Yes, yes, he's really good. So is he a Christian? Uh, he is, and there's a cool story, and I'm only a chapter into it. But after my vacation, I will tell you more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Um, yeah. So that's so anyway. I, I love thinking through books. Yeah, and what I want to do on read on vacation. So, what about you? I was thinking the same along with you, Amy. Just it depends on where I'm going, with who I'm going. And so I love to pack minimal. So even if it's with the kids, like I want everything to fit in my carry on, like my clothes, their clothes, all our, you know, toothbrushes, all, all the things need to fit in the carry on. That's the mode I'm in so that we have room for the fun mm-hmm. stuff. That's good. I need to learn from you. <laughs> <laughs> and good food, like the good snacks mm-hmm. so that you can have time to relax at home and not run out to the store every day. What's I'm a good snack? Oh, all the good cheeses and condiments and all the good crackers and meats and nice little charcuterie board on the beach. Yeah. That's so fancy, fun. girl. When you got That's young awesome. people and you're doing charcuterie board. Well, they think it's a lunchable. Props to you. We just call it a lunchable. <laughs> and then they're like, yes, we're in. Give them a juice box and they're in. <laughs> but it's not a lunchable. That's what's impressive. <laughs> all right. Well, I am with you, Tracy. I like to take a good book. And I'm, I'm also with you in the fact that sometimes I'll take like three, somehow thinking ambitiously that I will read three books <laughs> yes. on vacation and I never well, do. Well, and it's usually, uh, you know, the quick beach read and then there's something uh-huh. spiritual and then yes. maybe a biography in there. So yes. whatever mood I'm in, I've got, <laughs> got something to read. <laughs> I am totally with you. So. Well, and the other thing I've realized I have to pack that I had never had to think about until about a year ago are my uh, readers my little glasses <laughs> and all of a sudden I think wait a minute why am I holding that book so far away from my face because I can't see it so now I'm like oh I gotta remember to pack my readers mm-hmm. and because uh, it's important to see yes. you know <laughs> seeing in life makes a di- big difference mm-hmm. seeing clearly in life obviously makes a big difference and that is one of the emphasis emphases of this book is that we want to see clearly who we are in Christ. As believers in Christ, what is our identity? And when that perception gets foggy, it affects everything about life, what we do, why we do it, how we feel about what we're doing. And so that's really what's been so helpful to me about this book is clarifying for me some of those identities that are mine that maybe I haven't seen as clearly as I would like to or I forget. And I think it's helpful as we move into talk about today what it looks like to be fruitful, filled with the Holy Spirit, what it looks like to be members of the church. This book starts out with Jen Wilkin giving a chapter on what it means that we're free, that we've been freed from sin to live for Christ. And she says, you know, sometimes when we think about about our salvation and the fact that we've been freed from sin, we can get discouraged living in our new identities to find ourselves still shackled by old stuff, old sins. And we think, well, maybe I'm not really this. And she said, you know, when you remember your freedom from sin, remember that it's been justification. It's occurred in the past. It's completely done. You've been utterly freed. You have a completely new identity. And yet you're growing in the present and the presence of sin in your life is being consistently 
it's consistently diminishing and you're growing in this new identity, but it's process. And eventually it will be perfected. That presence of sin, the power of sin will be completely gone and you'll be living fully in that identity. So I just want to remind ourselves of that as, as you're listening to us talk and as you're thinking about this yourself, it's a process. Living into this is a process. And that's part of the fun of talking about this together to encourage one another along the way. So chapter five is where we're starting. And the chapter of that, the title of that chapter is Fruitful, Filled with the Holy Spirit. And it was written by Jasmine Holmes. And the verse that is attached to that is, I am the vine, this is Jesus speaking, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this whole chapter is talking about what does it mean that we abide in Christ and his spirit abides in us. And when I began reading this chapter, I told somebody, I think I want Jasmine Holmes to be like my new best friend (laughs) because she started out immediately by saying she was talking about how she told her husband, I'm totally type A and I do all these type A things. And and then it wasn't long into having children. (laughs) Then she said my house was chaotic and the children were everywhere and I hadn't planned for whatever. Her husband's like, maybe you're not quite as type A as you thought you were. (laughs) She just makes the point. I wanted to be type A in a sense. I didn't realize I did because it is so elevated in our culture to be a woman who takes care of of business, essentially. And so she says, this is her quote, our culture is obsessed with going, doing, being, and becoming. Become the best version of yourself. Keep moving forward. Write your own story. And then she goes on to say, whether you're prone to jump on the hamster wheel and chase down the unattainable goal of perfection, or maybe like me, lie down on the hamster wheel and get trampled by more more motivated hamsters, you probably experienced the shame of not achieving all that you feel like you ought to. And so she says, you know, our culture promotes that type of type A driven um, personality. But then sometimes the church comes in and sort of sanctifies that personality with the Proverbs 31 woman sticker, you know, that says holds up this Proverbs 31 ideal as the spiritual version of the type A personality. And I love that she pointed out that Proverbs 31 is probably not a description of one particular woman. It's not like a day in the life of a godly woman, but it's an intricate tableau of different facets of excellence meant to push us into a deeper reliance on Christ Mm -hmm. as we strive to be faithful in all our duties, whether we're at home or whether we're abroad. And I loved that she could pinpoint in both our culture and within maybe the church that sometimes we as women are pressed into this idea that we've got to do more we've got to be more so do y'all tend to find this to be true in your life do you jump on the hamster wheel of perfect achievement or do you find that you lie down on it and tend to get trampled (laughs) by other hamsters and what particular area in your life today do you struggle with feeling like "I'm, i'm not enough so I, when I was first reading this, I definitely thought well, I'm the hamster wheel person. But then as you were just talking, I think it's just been different stages of my life. So um, when I had young children, I very much felt the hamster wheel, um, wanting to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife and, you know, all the stereotypical, like have a clean house, have meals on the um, on the table, homemade good meals mm-hmm. and all that. And then... Um, and then I feel like my kind of my group of friends where I was went through this phase of looking down on that, actually, you know, and thinking, well, if you've got a perfect house, then you must not be spending time with your kids, you know, <laughs> or if you've got meals. Yeah. So it's it's like we almost swung in the other direction, um, you know, and then kind of landed on just um, 
God's just gifted us in different areas and um, that we could just, you know, help each other with that. So I've definitely had the hamster wheel um, feel, but then there's times where I just flat out cannot keep up with it and have realized, okay, we've just got to let that, let that go. Um, so it just probably depends on, on what stage of life I'm in, I would say. Do you have yeah. something in your, the stage of life right now that you're tempted to think, oh, I'm just not, I'm not I was thinking that. about that. I feel like a lot of my identity um, can be wrapped up in parenting, you know, so just how my kids are, are doing. So if they're emotionally doing well, then I'm, you know, feeling good about myself, even though it's not, not me or, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. So, um, mm-hmm. so even with older children, I think it's, it's the parenting. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know which one I am. I think I'm, just happy to be on the hamster wheel a lot of the time and just happy to be there. But then I see that they're actually going places (laughs) and then I'm confused about what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. I see that there's a hamster wheel. So I get on the hamster wheel because it looks like that's what I should be doing. And I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing there. And so that's there. There's sort of a panic that sets in and that's where I feel like a failure. It's, I always think if I could just know what I'm supposed to be doing, then I could do it, mm. which isn't true, mm-hmm. but it's, it's kind of what I lean on to make myself feel better about the fact that I'm, I'm not lying down. Mm. You just feel like I you're just going a hundred different directions. Yeah. I just, I'm just like, well, she's doing this and then she's yeah. doing this and what am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes the she is making it look really easy, too. Mm-hmm. So if she's doing that, it's easy. I can do it, and it'll be easy, too. Yes, yes. And, I mean, there's, there's a bit of that where I get to learn from other people. But just trying to figure out, what am I called to today? What am I supposed to be doing? Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. I feel like for me, when I'm on the hamster wheel, like, frantically, like, trying to get ahead or either – I've been on the hamster wheel so long that I am laying down. Like I've exhausted Mm -hmm. myself. It's a place of unhealth. Like I've been working out of my own merit, my own accomplishments, my own motivation, instead of working out of the love of Christ and just um, resting that he's the one that satisfies and he's the one that um, gives me the strength to do what the work you've been called to do, like you were just saying. And um, so for me, when I sense that I'm, you know, either exhausted or frantically running ahead. It's just, I I know then that my heart is in a place of unhealth. What area, I mean, do you get tempted to not, to live kind of like what you're saying, out of your own resources for your own? I mean, I feel like that can just be across the board. Any of my insecurities, anything, any particular thing, like if it's parenting, then I can like run after the thing that feels like I need to achieve that, or this is what my kids need so that they can be healthy, stable adults and love the Lord. Or it can be, um, I don't know, I love creative things. So it can be an artistic endeavor. Like I could see somebody else doing something really awesome. And I'm like, oh, I would love to just make a quilt this weekend or whatever. You know, just so it could be anything mm-hmm. where I'm operating mm-hmm. out of my own insecurity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely, at least I know that feeling. I feel like it's sometimes like a bodily feeling of mm-hmm. angst of I've got to figure it out. I've got to mm-hmm. do it. I've got to achieve. I've got to whatever. Just some vague sense that I'm not okay and it won't be okay mm-hmm. if I don't. And I think we feel that a lot, that that push to make something of ourselves, to prove something about ourselves, to guarantee that certain things happen in life and it's up to us. So we're often stuck in that race, trying to accomplish enough to feel like we are enough. Uh, but the Bible tells us that true fruitfulness isn't found in our self-efforts. Um, it's found in our connection with Christ. 
And so Jesus himself told his disciples, apart from him, they could do nothing. And he says the same thing to you and, and me. And we need what Jesus is providing for us through his work on the cross, that through his work on the cross, then we are supplied with the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And it says he searches our hearts. He knows the mind of the Lord. You know, I mean, he searches the mind of God. He knows all those deep things. He gives us that relational connection so that we can have a sense of who we are and what, what the Lord would have for us, not what Betty Sue is doing down the street or you know, so-and-so says that we need to do to accomplish, but we really grow in our understanding of what the Lord is saying to us about who we are and what he's asking us to do on a moment by moment basis. And not only does he give us things to do, um, but he gives, empowers us to do it and he gives us a joy in it. And that's so different for me. I feel like I, when I'm operating out of my own self efforts, which I'm doing a lot, um, maybe there's brief moments of like feeling really good about myself. And then there's those moments of being like, oh my gosh, it's terrible. I'm over. You know, I vacillate between the two versus just sort of a steady sense of joy. And that doesn't mean it's not hard. It doesn't mean it doesn't take effort. It doesn't mean that I'm not required to do things sometimes that I don't like. But it it's a different than that anxious, just hamster wheel. I'm getting nowhere. I'm just spinning kind of thing. And so in this book, she talks about, all right, so how do we abide? Um, because, you know, we want so badly, this is a Holmes quote, so badly to focus on the come and do, but the true message of the gospel bids us come and die. So we're dying to self, we're living for Christ. And she says, true fruitfulness is found in rest, rest in Christ. Doesn't mean you don't do anything, but it means you apply yourself to abiding in the Lord as he abides in you. And he says, she says, remember four truths. Our union with Christ depends on the Lord's grace that is given to us completely by grace. It is not a function of what we've done. It's not a function of what we do. It's a function of what the Lord has done and continues to do once and for all. Our union with Christ means obedience to Christ. So as we're unified with him, we do seek to obey him. And abiding with Christ means abiding in his love, just resting our life in the love of Christ. And it means submission to pruning. You know, as you go along, there's certain things that he prunes out of our lives that feel uncomfortable at times, but always brings about more fruitfulness. After reading this chapter, then ladies, how would you like to grow in abiding in Christ? Do any of those four things that I just mentioned ring a bell with you? Do you think, yeah, I want to grow in that area? And, and if you were to, how do you see that of changing some of the ways you live on a daily basis? Mm-hmm. It would change the way that I wake up in the morning. And the thoughts that go through my mind in the morning mm-hmm. and then that catapulting me into my day, abiding and resting in his provision for me as a sinner, I'm relieved of that pressure. And as a child, I'm given a purpose and just protection um, and the discipline that I get as well as a child. So that you see those opportunities in the day. My failures are an opportunity to repent and rest. And you feel the closeness of that when your mind is on heavenly things. You're you're excited to turn mm-hmm. and to receive what's yours. You know, that's that's how I would change when I failed and then when when you're in a hard circumstance. Praising God for the gift of that moment that he is pruning you and um, not that you're not in pain or hurting, but it's a perspective that does give you peace Mm -hmm. in your grief or in your uh, 
frustration or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I wake, I'll just say when I wake up in the morning, um, a confession is that I go to the wordle. Okay. And so that was yeah. a new habit that started this year with middle schoolers. Yep. Because if <laughs> I did it, do uh-huh. it right away, I wasn't going to do it before I got to school and they were going to spoil it <laughs> immediately <laughs> for me um, to prove their dominance. No. <laughs> um, and so anyway, uh, I, you know, it was just a little thing that I did, but um, I mean, even before that, looking at my phone, you know, it's not like I can blame my middle schoolers for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, just changing that habit, you know, cause it does create, an anxiety instead mm-hmm. of a peace. Mm-hmm. Um, so meditating on the word mm-hmm. instead of accomplishing a task. Mm-hmm. Cause I think that that's generally what I want to do is accomplish mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, then it's set, then my eyes are set on me. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. So much of that resonates. I feel like that when I'm trying to prove myself and I'm rest or leaning on my own understanding then I am. I do feel that anxiety and just um, all those things you were describing. Like, yeah, that's, I think that's common to all mankind. But when we are resting in Christ's love and just feeling the His presence and filled up with the Spirit, then yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And I think the fact that we are even tempted to neglect that—it's like we've even forgotten His love that He's flooded us with. So I think that is just so much of why scripture is like, remember, remember his goodness, remember to don't neglect his word and his truth and the comfort and the peace that comes there. Um, yeah. So I think just, um, prioritizing that time in the morning, like instead of going to the wordle or scrolling, scrolling through whatever your favorite thing is, um, to make sure that we're spending time in his word and being filled up with spirit on a daily basis so that we have a deep well to draw from and we're not tempted to lean on our past experience or our past, you know, knowledge of who God is, but our daily feeling of his mm-hmm. presence and spirit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, I mean, the, the resting in God's love is what, what really spoke to me too. Also the pruning that's mm-hmm. <laughs> important. But, um, you know, I thought about if we, um, are truly abiding, you know, and as you talked about the fruits being, being formed that, um, in fact, we mentioned this at school today, but it is clearly from the Lord. And if we really believe that, then we shouldn't, um, be stressed at all or, you know, feel like our identities and our successes or our failures or, or anything like that. But, um, but I still tend to fall back on thinking that it's me doing it and not, not God. And again, that can, you know, um, puff me up if things are going well or, you know, be really discouraging if they're, if they're not. But I did like in the chapter how she, um, you mentioned it too, Amber, but how she described abiding is not a passive, um, act because I think when I first think of that word and, um, I think it means like to remain um, or to continue to be all that. I think of just sort of um, sitting still and not doing anything. And that, that can be part of it, you know, is being still before the Lord. But, um, but as you said, um, Aaron, I think just regularly being in the word and just throughout the day will help keep the right perspective that it is God working through us. It's not um, us doing, doing anything. Um, So. I like the fact that you bring that up because she said this isn't a type B girl at the end. Yep. You're, you're yep. trying to convince you that type A is wrong and type B is good. No matter what your temperament is, you can go to the extreme of I'm not going to do anything or I'm going to do everything. Right. But either way, it's I'm 
I'm mm. going to do or I'm not yes. going to do. It's a self-centered sort of living. And so the idea is to come and die to yourself and to live in Christ and to find rest there. And that rest can be filled with lots of activity, but it's not filled with striving right. to get something for yourself. And what's already been given to us far outweighs what we could get for ourselves. And to be reminded of that in his word is a sweet and freeing thing. You know, I think oftentimes we abiding feels like a very personal thing. And of course, in a lot of ways it is, you know, we abide with Christ, he abides in us. And we think of that maybe on an individual basis, but this, the next chapter, chapter six talks about that. We are another part of our identity is that we're members of Christ church together. Mm -hmm. Uh, Megan Hill writes this chapter and the verse that's connected with it says, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body each one of them as he chooses, or excuse me, as he chose, which is First Corinthians twelve eighteen, And so she really talks about how important it is that we recognize that part of our identity, every believer's identity is in Christ, means that we are members of Christ's church and that we cannot be who we are intended to be unless we see ourselves as members of Christ's church. And that's a little bit of a foreign concept and maybe one that's not especially loved in a very individualistic culture. And she had a couple of things that we're tempted to believe that stuck out to me. So I'm going to give you some examples of what she says that maybe these thoughts go through your head. She said, you know, one of them, the first one is my relationship to God is personal only. Right? It is personal, but only personal. Anytime, she says then, that we believe our spiritual condition is better more authentic, more fruitful, more profound, apart from the church, we've allowed our identity as members of the church to be stolen. I get that. I've thought that. I've heard other people express that. Next one, my personality isn't suited to church, right? If you've ever allowed yourself to think I'm an introvert, church is not the place where I do best, then your identity has been stolen. I am an introvert. There are some things about going to a large church that are very difficult for me. And so if I were to say, well, I don't just don't do good in church, she's saying, well, then part of your identity has been stolen. Or I'm already part of a community of people with whom I have a lot in common. So if you tend to think no one at church gets me, like people at my gym or whatever other your chosen place of community is, then you've believed a lie. Those other communities might be naturally more comfortable, mm -hmm. but they're not where your ultimate identity lies. And then the last one, I'm focusing on my family. So if you ever say to yourself, I'm the mom of three young kids, I'll get back to church in a few years, you've had part of your identity stolen. And so I thought, okay, that is, I've heard those voices in my own head. I've heard other people say the same thing. And she really puts such an emphasis on the fact of don't let your identity as a member of Christ's church be stolen. When y'all hear those statements, which of them rings a bell with you? Like either you've heard in your own community or you felt um, personally in your own life tempted to believe that. I mean, I definitely have heard all of them. Um, I think COVID has affected some, mm -hmm. you know, some of this as well. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I think the one that stood out to me as I think about others is the one about um, that I've already got a community of people who I can yeah. um, talk to and relate to. And so I, I've seen that where people are just, content and happy and comfortable with who they're around and um and they spend a lot of time with them either because of work or it could be the gym or, or something like you said and so um to try and build those same relationships at church can you know take a lot of a lot of effort and be 
be hard. Um, sadly, I've heard people say too, if they're with a community, again, that could be work or wherever, that's not necessarily a community of Christians. Um, sometimes they are comfortable there. They feel like it's, they're not being judged you know, or something like that. And they're assuming that in a, um, you know, a Christian church community, they, they will be. Um, so hopefully that's not, not true, but. Well, and there um, are, I mean, it would be, it's true that coming into any community of people presents difficulties, you know, hurts, right. misunderstandings, awkward moments. I don't think she's saying none of those things exist. I think she's saying that what we are as members of the church, if we just think of it as like an institution that I'm trying to get to be a part of that club and it's weird because I don't really like me, then we're not really thinking about the church as Christ's body and all the graces and provisions that he provides to it, that it's not really an institution that we've built a building so that people who have common religious interests can come together and, and share community but that we have community because of who we are in Christ as members of his body. And that's what we do in church is to participate as members in his body together. And it comes with a lot of times that it's awkward and actually really frustrating. (laughs) And I would actually prefer not to maybe (laughs) have to do this. I'd rather go to places that it's easier to connect. But I think her point is just, but that's not who you are. The the core of who you are is more than what business you do, what gym you like to work out in, what books you like to read. The core of who you are is Christ. And right. so it's in his body that we enjoy that together. Right, because mm-hmm. that's how we were created, yeah. to mm-hmm. be in community with each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think this is a particular, I mean, this is talking to Christians, right? This right. isn't talking to the secular world. Right, I was okay. having to think through that. Mm-hmm. Too. Okay, mm-hmm. well, man, the only one I really heard in the community would be you know, focusing on family um, in my circle of influence or whatever. Um, and I mean, because I volunteer at church weekly, it has provided a buffer for me so that I can't give in to the desire for protecting maybe my family time or my sleep or whatever I feel like is the important thing for me, more important than what God has given me. Um, so I haven't really had to face my temptation Mm -hmm. in any significant way because God's provided something for me, Mm -hmm. but I can imagine Mm -hmm. just knowing the way that my mind works, giving into a Sunday morning sleep in because my family needs it. Mm -hmm. We were so busy last week. We were exhausted on Friday. You know, the thoughts we were emotionally drained. We had this thing happen and we are beat up and I don't want to face anybody. And I don't want to look at that person this week. And so it would be easy just to stay home and justify it completely that I was caring for my family. So I think that one, I felt like that applied to me, not so much Sunday morning, but just getting involved in the church beyond um, mm-hmm. Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. You know, So when I think about um, joining a Bible study on Wednesday night or going to the, you know, the other things that the church offers. Um, I think I do fall back on family um, sometimes with that. So that's what came to mind when mm-hmm. I read that. Yeah, I think I was, and it takes wisdom. You know, there's, there are different seasons of life for different ways of participation in the church, different abilities of mm-hmm. participation in the church, different things that we're prone to do, not prone to do, but to be walking with the Lord enough to say, Lord, how can I be a part of your body? I mean, I can go the other direction and feel like, you know, I, I feel guilty if I'm not parts of all sorts of things, you know, and, right. but to, it just, it takes wisdom and discernment and, and to say, 
at the end of the day, just the general course of my life, am I connected with the body? And it is easy. Like during COVID, I am more prone to be an introvert. I liked getting up and having my coffee cake and just sitting with my people and worshiping and that I don't have anybody around me to to have to work through my introverted tendencies with and insecurities <laughs> with. And I liked that. And, but I recognize that I, I can't do this solo. I can't even do it with me and my family. Like I have to have believers outside of that. And I have to be in the church receiving those graces of the Lord as he's intended to give them specified to give them really in his word. What you think, Erin? I mean, I definitely was discipled heavily growing up in the personal relationship with Christ. And I think that is obviously true and important. And so my generation, I see that, Mm -hmm. that we're doing our thing with the Lord at the lake. And that is good and holy. And I mean, maybe there is a time and place for that. But I feel like Alan Martin taught about this a couple Sundays ago about how the church doesn't need volunteers. The volunteers need the church. Like Mm -hmm. we need each other Mm -hmm. as sisters looking at each other in the eyes, helping deliver another from sin. Like I've had so many friends in this church help call me to a better self, like help me see the sin that I'm blind to and hold me when I'm broken and remind me of the truth of who Jesus is and that he does deliver and that he does heal. I mean, the community is not like an abstract, beautiful thing that happens at the Lord's Supper for me. It is definitely um, a felt need. I feel like that is biblical and right and true so as tempting as it is like I feel you Amber I'm definitely like YouTube church with my quiche on the couch (laughs) like I get that I mean I feel like that is yes so tempting and so cozy but I I need the church I feel like that is um, something that I did learn through um, these last couple years Mm -hmm. I need to be here I need this holy work of walking in community with my sisters and brothers Yep. Well, we feel the need, but even if we didn't feel the need and we trusted the Lord's word, we would know the need because he specifies, Mm -hmm. you know, very clearly in his word that we were created Mm -hmm. uh, to be together in community, in the body, in his church. Megan Hill puts it this way. God created humankind to worship him together. So when God put Adam and Eve together in the garden, he established the first church. I had never thought about that. Adam and Eve worked and worshiped together and it was very good. And Christ came to make us part of his church. The glorious purpose of Christ's incarnation, obedience, death, and resurrection was so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any blemish. So we're all connected together within the church. We're building a priesthood. Um, We grow together on the vine as a plant now and forever. Revelation talks about the church existing in heaven. So a couple of little ways uh, that we were challenged in this chapter to live out that identity was to join a local church. If you're a believer and you don't go to a local church, to join a local church, to submit to the leaders of your church, to pray for your church, and to support your church in her worship and work. So y'all, what ways, what are one of those four ways that maybe you'd like to see yourself grow? Um, What's sometimes maybe difficult, but how have you found yourself blessed as you've um, been growing and what it's like to be a member of the church i think for me the just uh hitting back on what jasmine holmes was writing in chapter five um that when i am serving and um doing my work that it has to come from a place of a humble heart that has been satisfied by the lord that 
he is the bread of life for me. And that's why I'm showing up and I'm doing the work. And it's a labor of love. And I'm giving from him, from what he's poured into me. And not out of Aaron trying to do my part or, you know, like a perfunctory response to uh, volunteers needed. Like, I want to be there and serve these people that um, have loved me and um, show the face of God to me. So I think that is where I would fall on that. Hmm. I think the thing that is hard for me about church is the same reason I need to be here. And that is, it's hard because we're coming together as sinners Mm -hmm. and you will be sinned against Mm -hmm. because you're around sinners and it's hard. And then the hard thing about it isn't that I was sinned against. It's that then I see my sinful response to it. Mm -hmm. And so it, well, there's the wounds and then there's the response. And then you just think, well, I'm out of here. Maybe your knee-jerk response might be Mm -hmm. to remove yourself from it. But if I'm not going, then I'm not seeing that sin Mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. So I think coming together in a place, and it may not feel safe in that not everybody's in the same place Mm -hmm. that you are, and not everybody's going to be trustworthy with every part of your story or um, your time, but... Um, but it's safe in that this is Christ church and he designed it and it's his desire and it's, and he's the one moving it, changing it, changing all of us. He is all and he is in all and that's his promise. And so he's keeping it. So Mm -hmm. then I can rely on that in the hurt and trust him and walk in it and then see my sin and repent of it and thank him for the, the time I got to see it. I mean, we get to see it with non-Christians too, Mm -hmm. but there's something special about walking through that with a believer who sees you and feels it and knows what it's like to be hurt and to forgive. And it knows what it's like to have your sin revealed and to be, um, to be forgiven. So just as I was thinking about my own, involvement in church, you know, I think one of the questions is what's most difficult. Um, and I think I, I talk a lot about the importance of being vulnerable and being open and that's, what's going to build relationships. But, um, but then that's hard to do. Um, sometimes, I mean, it, um, takes time. First of all, you know, I've realized, well, when I think back to when I first came to first, um, Perez, I was single, our um, Sunday school class was called the Seekers, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> what <laughs> but, were you seeking? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but I remember, yeah, yes, <laughs> I did find my husband here, but, <laughs> um, but no, we were seeking the Lord. But, um, but I remember coming and um, I just graduated from college and kind of having this, you know, attitude of, well, I'm new. I'm going to sit back and let people come invite me out or reach out to me. Um, and that was just the way I, I looked at um my involvement at church. Well, then I remember someone sitting next to me and she introduced herself and I still had that same attitude. Like, well, maybe she'll invite me over, invite me to lunch. And then she shared that this was just her third week at um, church. I think she did invite me to lunch. I think that's why I was convicted, but, but it just kind of hit me that we just, we need to be intentional um, with the relationships, um, particularly at church, that those are so important. And if we're coming just for Sunday school and church, you know, it's a limited amount of time that we're with people. So we do want to kind of make the, make the most of it. But, um, but that's hard for me too. Um, 
just to be intentional because I think I am an introvert too, um, to be intentional with that time and just to be, to be open. So mm-hmm. that's my struggle, but then it's also what I love about, um, friendships that I've developed, mm-hmm. you know, at church too. So it's such a good reminder to remember when you were the new person at first press, it can right. be overwhelming to be in a large church and not yes, know totally. everyone, not know a pastor, not Brad and I didn't go to Sunday school for the longest cause we didn't know where the Eve room was. And, you know, just yeah. remembering that your, your day when you were new and seeking those people out is such a good reminder. Yeah, that's true. And the opportunities the Lord provides you. you know, I could look at a high extrovert who's going around shaking everybody's hand and saying hello and is the life of the party. And, hey, you want to come to my house after lunch? I don't have anything cooked, but it doesn't matter. We'll just pick something up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I have hives thinking about that. I could never do that. But I, I could. My own self could turn around in the pew and say, hey, what's your right. name? I haven't met you before. Tell me something mm-hmm. about yourself. Hear them. Listen to them. I enjoy listening to people's stories, getting to know people allowing them to speak. I can do that well, you know, and somebody else might be able to do something else. Well, it doesn't, we have to all mm-hmm. do it the same, but yeah, opening ourselves up to one another in church and, and having the confidence of knowing that it's the Lord that holds us together. Mm-hmm. He does some right. really amazing, mysterious, wonderful, mm-hmm. hard things in his church. Mm-hmm. And that's just nice to remember that he's the head of the body and the head is in not just control, but the head cares very much mm-hmm. uh, for the body and how it functions and it, right. it heals. Um, it brings healing, you know? And uh, so yeah. I think in all these things, remembering that we are, these things that we're talking about, we're, we're fruitful. We're filled with the spirit. We're members of Christ church because we're connected to him and he is upholding the church. He is working to present us pure and spotless without blemish. It gives, gives us confidence and hope some place to put our eyes and, and rest and say, Lord, you have accomplished those things for us already. So the confidence then comes from knowing that the Lord has secured this identity for us. He is growing us up in this identity and he's going to secure it for us perfectly. And so we continue on together. And it's been a lot of fun to talk to the three of y'all about what this looks like. Listeners, if you want to see the pretty faces of our guests today, check out our Women's Bible Study Facebook page at Women's Bible Study FPCA or find us on Instagram at First Present Guest of Women. We'd love for you to join us again in two weeks. You can take us to the beach or for a quick run on the treadmill. We'll be talking with Sarah Williams and Ann Morris about our beauty and our role as Christ servants. We hope you'll listen in. Sometimes a light surprises the Christian wife she sees It is the Lord who rises With healing in His wings When comforts are declining He grants the soul again A season of clear shining To cheer it after the rain